Everyone, welcome to the next installment of the Revealing Strength podcast. I'm your host, Eric Santour, and this is our third and final installment with Jason Rule talking about an absolutely incredible story of what he and his family have have been through and and triumphed over and what Driven Nutrition has been through and how all of that kind of is connected in one way or another. So we hope you guys have enjoyed this story so far as much as Julie and I have. And uh, if you haven't listened to episodes one and two, be sure you head on over to iTunes or SoundCloud and do that right now before you start episode three. So guys, I hope you have a wonderful listen and I hope you enjoy the episode and we'll see you soon. All right, Jason. So we are back with you and we're in the third installment of your journey with Lakin, young Lakin. Um, and this took you up to the state of Michigan uh, for his third surgery right before his first birthday. So can you take us, uh, take us there? What happened next? Right on for sure. So his third surgery was planned. Um, we knew from, uh, actually from his first 3d echo that he had some, um, issues with, with one of his valves. And, uh, so like I mentioned on previous calls, uh, less is more at that stage. So they try to fix the, the most important thing at the time and then let, let the kids get older and then fix them when it becomes mission critical. So they have mm-hmm. to. So one of those was the, the valve replacement. And so we knew going into that, that the, the procedure is called a Roscono procedure. And there's, there's really two specialists in the entire world. Uh, one is at USC, and the other one is up in University of Michigan. That's how we ended up ended up there in in that beautiful area. One of the one of the tough things is it's not with that procedure. It's not dictated by the amount of pressures, even though that's one of the the guides. Like, okay, how much pressure is building up on one side of his heart because the walls start hardening, and uh, you know, as they get thicker, it's like any muscle. As it gets thicker, uh, its ability to compress and expand and relax gets less. So normally with a lot of heart issues, that's what you watch. But with Lakin, we had to watch that as well as we had a one-year clock because the Roscono procedure is a, is a process where they take a pulmonary valve and actually put it inside of the heart to replace the bad valve. And then they put a cadaver tissue on where the pulmonary valve was because up until we're one year old, the pressures inside of our heart that, well, I'll restart that statement up until we're one year old, the ability for that tissue to change, to adapt to the added pressures inside the heart versus what its normal pressures are for the pulmonary Mm -hmm. is it after you, after we reach a year that, that, that surgery isn't an option. At that point, you have to use an artificial valve, which mm-hmm. for that age really isn't much of an option that works at all. That, um, in, that in itself just floors me how the fact that that's even possible, you know, that we we have a span, you know, granted it's a very young span of life and um, somewhat of a vulnerable time, time frame that sub one year mark. But the fact that our bodies can do that and how one type of tissue can be moved to another area and still be effective and be able to handle the workload of, of what the heart has that just when you, the first time you told us that I think was a couple of weeks ago, that blew my mind. The fact yeah. that, and the fact that we know that 
you know, that as in the medical community and doctors know that with that time frame, um, just well, with, with tissue science, that's, that's incredible to me. It blows my mind. It is. And unfortunately, they, they learned that through success rate, right. you know, so right. they found that the success mm -hmm. rate of, of post 12 months is, isn't very high pre is incredible. Well, is incredibly high compared to after a year. So if if you look at and if you just look at the the different infant procedures that are done around, done around the United States, and then if you look at the infant mortality rate for the United States, it's shocking where that's at compared to the rest of the world in a lot of ways too. And so it's it's pretty amazing the success that we've able we've been able to have and the progress that has been able to make here in in the states in a lot of different ways and and i've been just blown away about the science and the amount of research and the amount of just intricacy that goes into these procedures at such a young age because you think about these procedures and one thing that i keep reminding myself is that this isn't happening on a full-grown person this is happening on someone who can fit you know across my two you know across my arm and that's crazy for me to think about because a lot of I, I have very little experience with small children and uh, and so I keep thinking about these procedures and I am hearing you explain them and just a reminder for everyone listening um you know this is a very small child at this point and so these procedures are happening in a very small body in a very small area yeah I think I think by the time we went to his third surgery and I mentioned it on the last call um, I mean, I don't think he was 20 pounds by, by the time he reached a year. So yeah, they're tiny. And you know, that, uh, I'm, you said something that kind of struck a nerve. So I'm going to, I'm going to ask people to do a favor. Um, and, and you guys too go, you've got an amazing facility there, university of Michigan, go tour the, those areas. And if you can sit down and just talk to some parents and ask them if they need anything. It will be, sometimes they may just want to talk, they may just want to share what's going on. They may be like me and just be like, you know, be in a turtle shell and not want to have any interaction. But going and, going and uh, exposing yourself to those types of situations and something as specific as that with the sick children and parents dealing with that, there, there, there's a lot of support that, that they need and sometimes just going and being an ear um, is it can make a difference between really making a, a big impact on somebody's day. It won't it won't make an impact on what's actually happening there. Everybody is aware of that, mm -hmm. but it's it's a lonely time. And knowing that somebody somebody cares, um, I, I I would just ask that anybody listening to this take some time. It'll benefit you as a person and grow and hopefully hopefully create some value to somebody that's sitting there and dealing with something really tough so if you if you if you can make yourself do it yep uh, i would ask that you do it that's a really great request and it's it's a reminder again like I, and we've i've heard this throughout all the chances we've had to chat with you is it just it's a reminder of perspective and um just knowing that in any given moment there's always people in the world that are, you know, while there's a lot of joy going on in moments, there's a lot of, there's a lot of challenge and there's a lot of, of these lonely moments and quiet times and, and how meaningful it is as, as a person. And, and I think even in sport as a coach, 
something small like greeting someone you know where if their head is down when they walk in the building um making them pick their head up and and showing that you care and saying hi um genuinely asking someone how they're doing um and taking a little bit of time i think this this is such a good reminder of that because in in your situation yeah i mean the amount you know no one's gonna understand it right i mean no one's gonna know but um but people do relate to that concept of caring um, and genuinity. And that's something that's universal, no matter what the situation is. And no matter if there's the understanding isn't there, the relatability to, to opening your heart to someone that is, that's, that's so relatable. So thank you, yeah. Jason. Yeah. You be- and that actually, that, that takes me back to the first, um, I had forgotten all about this. Um, so, uh, Lakin's our first trip, you remember Val, it was an emergency. So she had to get, you know, litters. She had one outfit, mm-hmm. and uh, she had to get on the airplane. When she got there, um, the nurses actually they have they have an intake, and one of them is to uh, to talk to the parents, to explain, you know, what the facilities are. Here's where things are, and they said, "Do you do you have like any clothes, any toothbrush?" And no, but my husband is on the way. Mm-hmm. And the nurses actually pooled together their money and ended up. I think they gave Val a $150 um, a cash card. Mm. They pulled their money, went down to the admin desk and said, please fund this. And they did that themselves. Wow. And that, um, actually, I still have that card in my wallet. Um, wow. So, yeah, it, it, it is memorable. And you may not realize the impact that, that it has at the time, but it has one mm-hmm. that's long-lasting. Yeah. So, uh, right. moving, <laughs> moving, okay. moving, well, moving on. Moving on. With uh, so when we were trying to decide which hospital to go to, uh, we had phone interviews with the doctor from um, I think it was UCLA actually, not USC, and um, we were blown away by Dr. Oye from University of Michigan because during the call uh, he was so humble, even though that the majority of so if you go Google Roscono procedure, um, the majority of the articles. And the publications that have been out there are actually by Dr. Oye. He's he's the cutting edge, and so he was. His humility uh, was really amazing because he actually said during the call, he said, "You need to understand that uh, it's not my job to make these kids better. I make them worse. I repair what's what's defective in their heart. But it's my team. It's the nurses. It's the other doctors." anesthesiologist, everything that make these kids better. I make them worse. And that, that just really blew us away. So we scheduled a trip to go out to University of Michigan. I think we flew out of Wichita. And uh, as, again, we had, we had that clock going. You know, uh, Lakin, Lakin's fourth birthday is coming up here in about a week and a half, uh, July 19th. And so we had to get all of that done make the trip before he turned a year. And the goal was to try to make sure, again, those recoveries can go anywhere between two weeks to uh, six months, a year, however long it takes for them to, to get better. So we decided to do it right around the 11-month mark. So we went out, waited in the, the, the surgical waiting room because they had to do a sedated echo on Lakin. So they bring him in so Dr. Oye can look at the test results, read everything that needs to be read. And... It was so neat because he came in. It, this long-haired hippie dude looked like he was from Hawaii, mm-hmm. and 
he goes, he goes, guys, I feel like I've known you forever because we'd spent quite a bit of time on the phone. I just jumped up and gave him a big hug. And, uh, I said, you know, it's really great to meet you, man. So that, that really sealed the deal for us that that's where we're going. And, um, the team was amazing. Facilities were beautiful and taking a look at everything that needed to be done. He felt that, um, he was he dr roy felt that lakeland was in the right hands and he felt comfortable doing the procedure so we flew home scheduled it for about i believe 10 days maybe maybe two weeks later um time gets a little blurry during that time and um thankfully it was during the summer so we had made arrangements with val's parents again to stay at our house to watch our three other kids and um my parents were two blocks away. So we coordinated enough stuff to keep everybody busy, you know, swim practice, everything else, friends, all of that to where the kids had routine because, uh, Val and I were packing up, you know, everything, everything that, that I needed, I put in a book bag, you know, three outfits and like everything else, you know, you wash clothes in a sink and, and away you go. So, uh, mm-hmm. before we did, we wanted to make sure again that everything was settled and things were ready for, um, the rest of our family before we left. Um, and we took off, we flew out, uh, I believe that two days before the scheduled surgery, cause they wanted to run, uh, one more test to make sure that everything was, was there. They wanted to put together a plan of action as far as how the surgery was going to proceed. So we got a hotel room there in Ann Arbor and looked at the scenery, a beautiful area. You know, uh, the, the Arboretum, it was mid-June, early mid-June. So what what is it that blooms there at the Arboretum? The, right pe- the peonies, they're beautiful. They have a whole garden that's just dedicated to where they plant those flowers. And it's like its own season. It's a couple weeks long. And people yep. come from all over just to go to that spot. Yeah, and it was, it was, it was beautiful. So we strolled through that, um, you know, walked through. There's a beautiful cemetery that has a lot of historical... Uh, you know, information. I mean, it's just, you go to an old, old school town like that. And there's a lot of really neat places. Downtown um, was beautiful. We took in, got a couple nice meals and really just tried to act as, uh, you know, um, we tried to enjoy the time that we had as well as we could by just being present. So we went out to a couple nice restaurants, went to a place called World of Beer, which is a really nice place, kind of downtown. It is um, a nice place. We've been there. <laughs> yeah, great. More excellent, than once. Excellent. Yeah, excellent IPAs. So um, just we, it's weird because you're in this amazing, beautiful place, uh, acting like you're on vacation, but knowing why you're there, um, but not – you're present in the moment, but you're not trying to really – be in where you're about to be because you know what you're about to do is going to suck. We'd been through it two other times. We had had plenty of time to prepare for it. We knew what was about to take place. Uh, we knew the odds weren't great. Uh, but still that's time that was that I still look back and I still can replay those pictures and those meals of sitting there with Lake and, and, uh, you know, I really cherish them. So, uh, just kind of an odd, odd recall of, and an odd, unusual circumstance to be in to to say okay this really bad stuff is about to happen um but man i'm really happy with where i am right now 
kind of like a calm before the storm and you know it's you know it's thinking about that that you went to you know across the street to the garden and i mean it's such a beautiful peaceful place i mean think of how many people go to that spot to just reflect take in nature um and you know you with a a major 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 um thing coming up and you know like you said like this really hard thing um, I'm glad that you found that. And I think that's what a lot of people, they might fail to do in situations like yours is they just, they struggle and they shrink when they know something's coming up. But the fact that you were able to be present still those two days before, um, it's, I think that really goes to show the strength that you two had in, in taking that time, just you and your wife and Lakin together. Well, you know, I can't tell you how much easier it made things. I mean, it's, whatever you're about to do is really going to suck anyway. You know, mm-hmm. so like try to try to enjoy that part. Well, and it's what we talked about kind of back in part one about acknowledging the fact that this is going to be an unpleasant experience, but it's how you deal with it and how you decide to walk away from it. that's going to make the difference. And right. You being at peace, knowing that that is coming is so much better than you actively worrying about it. You taking the time and recognizing like, Yes, this is going to be unfortunate, but it has to be done because there's a lot of people in that situation that are going to worry. So you made a decision to put yourself at peace and to put yourself in a healthier mindset and is in the in the best position considering the circumstance that you could, because like you've said multiple times across these couple of episodes, indecision in itself is a decision. Right. You made an active decision to try to be the best version of yourself that you could going into this situation. Right. And that was, you know, that's tough. It, and it was, it, it wasn't an easy call then. I wish that, you know, you could, looking back, everything was, everything was clear, but it still sucked because it's never out of mind. <laughs> right. All right. So take us, take us up to, all right, day of what happened. Well, uh, so we go get checked in, everything else, and uh, early morning surgeries. They try to get everything done so um, the process can start, and then the healing can take place. And there's a – at the University of Michigan and all of the other hospitals, we had our own um, ICU room that was dedicated just for Lakin. And then there was a nurse nurse's station right outside the door, and – so and that, but that nurse's station set right between two different two different doors. Uh, University of Michigan is completely different because their ICU is a, is shaped as a U, uh, and the the doctors and the nurses station is right at the foot of the bed. Mm-hmm. I mean, they they okay. stay right there. Right so there. when, yep, there's there's no you have uh, which which from from a healthcare standpoint i mean they have the reasoning for it but we were used to having some level of privacy of you know having our having our little love seat couch that folded out to a bed where we could sleep but in this um the recovery process takes place there and you have a curtain but that you sleep in a, a recliner chair a hospital recliner chair and and uh so that that took a little bit of getting used to um because of the noise and because you still have to rest even though Everything is going on around you. You still have to get sleep when you can, and um, that was that took that took getting acclimated to. Um, the pretty much right away, right after a surgery was over, one of the things that they have to do is they have to keep 
his pressures down. Um, so the cadaver tissue, uh, the, the suture around, and the new valve has time to, to basically heal enough to withstand the extra pressures. Uh, but they had a lot of troubles regulating his um, blood pressures, so they had to bring it down. Um, and that, that was tough because as, 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 as these kids get older, a lot of times one month, three month old, the recoveries are actually easier because the kids aren't active. You know, Lakin was almost one. So mm -hmm. you can imagine trying to keep a one-year-old mm -hmm. um, down, even though they're sedated, even though they're out, they still are more active. Right. Yep. So that was, that was, that was tough. And it was, it was constantly um, a touch and go. And I think at one point they had 29 different medications and these machines basically that they dial in. So they're constantly changing one medication to offset another medication to try to get it to where they can control uh, not just his level of agitation, but his blood pressures. And they ended up, they ended up needing to um, get, get him very heavily sedated um, to keep those pressures down, to give those valves uh, time to heal. Um, and they did, they did successfully, but one of the, one of the, side effects of that of course was withdrawal oh, and yeah. after a week of being in icu they started bringing him off of that but he had been very heavily sedated which he hadn't had to have done in the past and that was that was a whole another set of issues in terms of agitation um being able to keep food down and just the overall healing process so it, it was just it just seemed to go from one thing to the next and like I said at, at the very beginning Lakin is far from typical everything about everything that he had ever done is is far from typical and this this last surgery was um, certainly uh, right in there with that we also um, since Val and I had been through it quite a bit um, we also uh, communicated more with people we met um, we met some couples, um, we met, um, Lexi and her son, Charlie. And like I said, in the, in the first call, you, you, I was scared to, to meet parents, talk to parents because all of you, the guys are there and you hope for good news, but you're scared to ask because there may be bad news and you can't always tell mm -hmm. while you're there. Um, but and during this during this last surgery, um, especially Valerie, she created an excellent relationship with Lexi, um, and uh, so that was a little bit of a different experience in terms of what we did. Um, you know, we had been through it through it the times before, so we knew that we made each other go outside. We knew, you know, go take go outside, walk around the building five or six times um i took i took some time to go out and work out at the across the street at the university of michigan um old school gym man that was <laughs> that was that was that was that was rusty i'm guessing i'm guessing it's not this uh the athletic gym i was kind of hoping i'd see that but this one had been there a long, long time i've i have not been to that one but i've heard about it and i uh 
far as I know, that's all that's been renovated. Yeah, it's <laughs> the that was the original rec center, which yeah. they current like just currently recently yeah. redid that that area, and now I think that that the equivalent to the building that you were in at that time is now in the basement mm-hmm. below yep. one of the halls. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. So. Yep, racquetball. I, I can tell you. I can tell you this. They uh, um, they didn't have any platforms, and a dude in there doing CrossFit um, really didn't really didn't fit very well. <laughs> I am not. Yeah, not surprised. <laughs> I mean, the, there wasn't there wasn't a free curl rack, but the squat rack racks were wide open. <laughs> that seems. In fact, to... in fact, I remember I remember a sign that says "No weight over your head." <gasps> really. <laughs> Of I'm course, not, I, I want I'm that for my you. house. <laughs> yeah, I'm not kidding you. I, I, and uh, so I was like, well, I guess I'm doing thrusters. <laughs> <laughs> that is the most typical crossroader response to any time that I think any of us walk into a facility somewhere. But um, for some <laughs> reason, that seems to be the, the general case in all university rec centers. Yeah. Um, yeah, li- liability, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, it it was um, we f- we found a little bit of flow as far as um, fi- finding a routine that we had established before and letting each other know, like um, knowing what those triggers were of okay, we need to go, you need to go, it's time for me to go. Um, this was the first time that um, we had we had taken advantage of uh, getting a um, a room at the Ronald McDonald House. Okay. Because yep. we were so far away, um, each other time we just, you know, we'll just stay in the room. But we did get a room right across the street at the Ronald McDonald House, which, mm-hmm. again, anybody listening, if you have uh, spare money, drop a check in the mail to the Ronald McDonald House. Uh, I don't like McDonald's at all. I'm, I'm a big advocate for never, ever eating there. But the Ronald McDonald Foundation um, does some amazing things for parents. And having, having the ability to have a room which isn't a given there's i mean it's not there's a lot of parents that that have to sleep in their kids' room and yeah which so it, if, which, if you can't which, please do yeah which is i, I can imagine has got to be is very very tough because you don't and you want to be there as much as you possibly can but as you kind of said that you you had yourselves or made yourselves take a little bit of time away to just create a small amount of separation, but just for your own recovery, both physically and mentally to have that space to go rest and sleep and recoup. So you can be there for your child is huge. And, um, I I think that's, I think that's fantastic that the organization is able to offer that. I know that we drive through Ann Arbor a lot and driving through that area. I have a, I have family that work for, um, they work for the hospital, and that's that's an organization that they've referenced more more than once about some mm-hmm. of the fantastic things that they do across the country for for different hospitals, but over at U of M, a lot. So, yeah, yeah, for sure. And if you don't want to donate money, go drop off diapers of any size. Mm-hmm. I mean, you you can't imagine the number of families that we saw there. That because when you go, you go, and you that's not always planned. So right, sometimes mm-hmm. people are taking other kids mm-hmm. for any number of days or number of months. And I mean, whether it's snack foods, diapers, kids, toothbrush, you know, kids, books, anything that can help, I mean, helps. So, uh, 
so from the from a recovery standpoint, um, beyond the um, the hypertension, the withdrawal, uh, things things progressed fairly well. He had a little bit of a blood clot inside of his heart, so they had to monitor that really close. They noticed that pretty much I think two days after he came out of surgery. So they monitored that, uh, um, increased his blood thinner to try to break that up, and like other times, and oh, I should mention. When they were there during the, when we went there for his first trip, they found that his coarctation was constricted again. Oh. Mm-hmm. So what had been repaired two other times mm-hmm. was going to have to be repaired again. Um, it wasn't at a critical point, but it's, so you have a choice. Okay, do you go in for a fourth open heart surgery or do we fix it now? Mm-hmm. And Dr. Oye felt comfortable doing it, so um, they did. So not only did uh, he have the valve be replaced, he also had that obstruction replaced or fixed yep. again. Wow. Okay. Yep. Yeah, the coarctation repair. Mm-hmm. They they fixed that again for the third time. Um, so blood pressures, everything else, and again by going in from the front, the the markers. You know, we knew we knew it all too well. Okay, um, he needs to be able to eat. He needs to be able to scream. He needs to be able to cry to clear his lungs, everything else. Right. And just like before, um, the kid just powered through it. As soon as, as soon as, and we were, uh, again, we had to, we had to be, our, you know, primarily Val. She had to be uh, um, an advocate for, look, here's, here's how this worked last time. Here's how it worked the very first time. He's an amazing eater. So if you want to get a lactation consultant in here, mm-hmm. fine. Have her sit down, but this is what we're going to do. Yeah, and and we did, and he progressed through those, through those, uh, those marks and those success stages that are vital for repair. And I don't remember exactly how far after two weeks uh, we were, but it started looking like we're going to be able to go home. So they moved us up to what uh, I believe it was the ninth floor, and. Um, he started dealing with some dehydration, even though they were going through the process of checking us out. And the the nurse now the, all of the nurses up to this point in Denver and Michigan, I mean they're 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 amazing spirits. I mean they're just uh, friends. I, I can't wait to see him again someday and give him a big hug. Um, but there there was one nurse that. Uh, I don't know if she was in a hurry. I don't know what the the issue was, but uh, we kept telling him that something was wrong. He couldn't keep his food down. He kept getting dehydrated. And an infant is bad enough, but you take an infant with a heart issue or any type of health issue, and if they get dehydrated, it's a fast spiral. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, they get dehydrated, they puke, they puke, they get dehydrated, and they just, I mean, it's rapid. And, I mean, his uh, his stomach... You could see his ribs. I mean, he was drying out fast. Um, and I think we were we were scheduled to leave that day. Everything was approved, which, I mean, for a family that, I mean, you're in Michigan, and I mean, we're looking at, you know, plane tickets. Okay, here's here's how far the airport is, everything else. I mean, we're making plans, um, but we keep seeing this this process continue, and we keep telling the nurse, so. The charge nurse comes in and she starts going through the process of um, being dismissed. And we tell her, like, look, we've been telling our nurse that something is wrong. This is this is what we're seeing. We've been through this before. We're not paranoid parents. 
Um, this is what we're seeing. Um, she looked at him, um, lifted up his shirt. She didn't say another word. She picked him up and left the room. Mm. And um, uh, instantly got him on IV. And he perked up pretty much right away. Man, it just, again. Did, did just... you ever did you ever get a response of what the issue was? Was it just the the toll that the operation took and the time in the hospital? Why Why was he getting dehydrated? I didn't get that answer. And so working from a very, um, a very rough memory of that, as I recall, once that, once that dehydration process starts, like, cause I mean, he was coming from withdrawal. He was still right. dealing with a little bit of that. But once that starts, even once it starts leaning towards that, it starts going, they get a little bit dehydrated, they puke, then they get more dehydrated. Right. So again, I'm working. I'm working on a weak memory. So that's a tough question to answer. And you mentioned a word there that is that I think we we want to touch a little bit more on. You mentioned withdrawal. Mm-hmm. So obviously he's been heavily medicated, and part of that hydration process and part of that process of him staying afterwards is to slowly take him off of those medications that he's on. It's been across right. this two week process. So on his contingent on his recovery time, which has been very fast both times, would he have stayed on those medications longer had his recovery taken longer? Or would that, would that process of withdrawal and the weaning off of the medications happened with the congruent timeline of his recovery? No, it, uh, they didn't, they didn't keep us any longer, um, from the withdrawal. They just had more struggles and that's, and that's a tough one to answer there because they had more struggles in getting him stable. Right. Because they had to give him uh, more drugs to keep him chilled. Um, but in terms of the success markers, like being able to eat, being able to cry, getting his lungs cleared out, everything like that, that those things aren't necessarily related. Okay. Okay. That's I, That was just interesting to me if those things had a – had a linear relationship in any way, but that's good. No, it's just it, it's it's just one of those things. Like shit, now we got to deal with this, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, like what next? It's okay. It's kind of that. I mean, the idea of a setback. I mean, you you've had plenty of them along the way here. I mean, every every twist and turn, it's kind of you could see it as a setback, I guess. Um, some of them, I think, led up to probably the the best result. But yeah, I mean, at this point, it's kind of like, what else is there going to be? I know you mentioned that. I think the second time we chatted, like, what else is there? Um, did you ever at that, you know, again, here looks like you're kind of not at the finish line, but you're, you know, you're at this stage, you're, you know, had successful surgery, he's getting ready to go home. This happens, what next? Is there ever a point where you just got really pissed and like got mad and, you know, said screw it all? I mean, of course, you're not going to say that. It's your child. It's their life. But um, I mean, did you ever break down? Like no. hard, hardcore breakdown or Val? No, neither one of us. Um, and that, you know, you had talked a little bit about, um, you know, finding, finding that peace. And it, one of the, one of the things that I remember thinking as we're walking through the door, um, and it's, it's, it's not a good parallel because, um, people going to war and stuff like that, soldiers, mm-hmm. they, I've never been in that situation, so I can't pretend to put myself in that place, but I remember thinking at the time, like, um, you know, when you, when you have, when you have your partner, when you have, 
you know, another soldier there that you know that's going to battle with you. You know that they're going to walk through that door, so you have to walk through it with them. Mm-hmm. Right. And and I, I, I don't know if there's a parallel because, like I said, I've never, I've never been in that situation. But looking, looking back and trying to put myself uh, in my own shoes then of knowing like, oh, my God, I'm scared to death. I do not, I cannot walk through this door. Um, I would guess that probably Val was thinking the same thing, but um, we're going through that door um, to support Lakin and to support um, the other one. Mm-hmm. And I, I, in talking to friends who were soldiers, there's um, a little bit of that mindset seems to seems to be there for them also. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So no, I, I, I didn't, and I know. Um, I don't remember ever looking back and saying, you know, how can this happen to me? And you know, it yeah. just happens. You know, good stuff. It's the genetic lottery, man. Yeah. Right. Yep. Absolutely. Well, and and that just goes back to that that kind of discussion we had in, in episode two of it's all this. This is a huge piece of perspective now, and I'm sure when you work with things with driven and and stuff like that, you know the the ability to to sit back, especially as an entrepreneur, and say, "Man, why did this happen? Why did I lose an order of you know twenty? you know, uh, two cases or 20 bottles or something like that. And FedEx, it fell off the back of a truck somewhere. And there's a really, really fit FedEx guy now. But um, <laughs> that's really, that's really easy to say and, and kind of have a, a moment of woe is me, but it's not going to, it's not, it doesn't change anything. It doesn't, it doesn't swing the, the odds in your favor. It doesn't get, let, allow you to move forward any faster. It doesn't encourage you to, be there or be a better dad or a better business owner or a better entrepreneur or a better an athlete. And so it's, I think, again, I just, the amount of perspective that this has given to, I know both myself and Julie has been awe-inspiring and I hope it does the same thing for the listeners as well, because I'm going to be honest, there's multiple times where I'll go in and I'll look at a workout on the board coming after surgery and it's like, oh man, I can't do snatches yet. And there's snatches on the whiteboard. What am I going to do? Oh, poor me. And it's like, in reality, I still get to work out. In reality, I still get to wake up and go to work. And in reality, I still get to just wake up. So um, to have that perspective for yourself and for your wife and for your child that's going through so much, I think is huge. And I'm sure it's something that you apply every day now. Yeah. It, uh, it, I'll tell you, I did get really pissed. And and I still do every once in a while. I just think, you know, this sucks. Nobody should right. have to deal with this. But um, everybody, ever everybody goes through shitty moments. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and and, I, and actually, one of the one of the the one of those was after we got released. Um, and it took it took everything uh, I could not to just absolutely blow up. Um, so we got released, um, got him, got him hydrated and they released us and, okay. um, we're, there's actually a plane leaving in, I think it was two and a half or three hours. So we, we had to get some, some medication because he, he had to continue on Sildenafil. So we had to make sure that we had all his prescriptions and everything else and ready to go. Um, and we were able to get a, a, a taxi drove us to the airport and we're in line and. Um, I'm, I'm sitting there on my phone confirming that this flight, that there's room on the flight 
and not buying tickets because I'm right there at the counter. Mm-hmm. The people in front of us check in for the very flight we're planning on getting on. Are you kidding me. And they leave and we go to check out. And like Julie, you've seen the picture of Lakin on the on the ride home. I mean yeah. those those little marks on his face were, yep. were scratches from mm-hmm. from his withdrawal. Mm-hmm. The marks in his neck were from his IV. Yeah. So and he's, I mean, and he's he, still a little guy, you know. Yeah. For a he year, looked twenty pounds still. For about a year old, yeah. Yeah, he looked he looked rough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, we can't cover up his chest, so he's got you know these yep, these scars, uh, scare, stereo strips covering mm-hmm. up the scar, and um, so we get to the counter and um, tell her what flight we're trying to take. She said, "I'm sorry, we can't get you on that flight. Booking for that is closed." Oh my gosh. I said, you got to be shitting me, lady. The people in front of me, like a minute ago, just checked in for that flight. Right. Well, they had a ticket. Okay. Mm-hmm. Are all of the tickets sold for that flight? No, it's not a sold out flight. I said, we don't, we don't have baggage. I've got, I've got my book bag. She's got her bag mm-hmm. and we've got, we've got Lake and we need to get home. And we stood there for 15 minutes. Supervisor came over. They would not let us buy tickets for that flight. Really? Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. So that's why that's why that picture that you saw was so we couldn't we couldn't buckle. You can't I mean you can't put him in a car seat and cover yeah. cover that up. Mm-hmm. Um, so we rented a car from Ann Arbor and we figured it was about a twenty minute, twenty hour drive. I I think it, again, this was three years ago or four years ago, or however long it's been, four three. Um so we rented, and I just threw my hands up. I figured, okay, I'm not, I'm not going to snap on this lady because that's not going to get us on the plane. Probably get me thrown in jail. Um, For the record, I think I probably would have snapped. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I know myself well enough to know that, and people that know me personally know me well enough to know that I think I probably would have lost my. He would have, and I'm not. I would not have. Well, I don't typically snap, but at at that point, and the fact that you know you were at the Detroit airport, there two and a half, you know timing you got out you got the flight spot you know or it was available i mean yeah it was i also there, hate detroit mean... metro <laughs> like i hate i hate I, it's it's my home airport and i despise that place with a burning fiery passion <laughs> eric just isn't like flying i i think that's, that's not true i actually like flying i just hate detroit i think he just well, doesn't thank, like the airport Thankfully, you guys are close to Michigan, so you can just drive there for the game. We, right? Yeah, we can we can drive 20 hours anywhere we want to go, Eric. Here that's, we go. We can, we can right on. Go to Kansas. Right <laughs> so All right, get, so you uh, got a car. So we rented a car and oh, um, uh, drove back. And uh, the only <laughs> the only thing that was uh, other than other than just a long drive, Val sat in the back with Lake and the whole time, and I drove um, because I mean it just. Uh, we were just ready to be home. Yeah. You know, our kids, our kids missed us. And we were, I mean, it was, it was, it was a homecoming. I mean, this was the last one for quite some time that, that we knew that we had to do with Lake. And mm-hmm. It was time to go home and start, um, start healing. Yeah. Um, so we did. The only thing that was, that was, um, oh, eventful with the trip was a bike, um, a guy i'm guessing he was um not very good at tying stuff down because uh his bikes fell off the back of his vehicle um and 
I still think that the car hovered for a short period of time as I as I zipped around it because it fell off right in front of me. And, oh uh, so I had a was it, I, we were going to go right over the top of it. Um, so that was that was an amazing uh, uh, an amazing level of driving. We'll call it that. <laughs> What what hour of the drive? Did you drive straight through? Or did you stay overnight somewhere? Like, yeah, we drove straight through. Oh my gosh, it was time to go home, man. Yeah. Did you think about waiting for another flight? I mean, Detroit's a pretty big airport. They got to It would have been the next day. Oh really? Oh okay. If it was later. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. yeah. It would have okay. been. It would have been. It would have gotten us in at about the same time. Jeez. Oh, so. All right. I, so. And oh, I'm not man. sticking around. You know, Eric. I'm like you, dude. Uh, I'm not a fan of Detroit airport. Um, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not sticking around there any longer than I have nope. to. Yeah. Not, not in the least bit. And I, I, uh, it seems to be a trait of people, of entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs, of strength and conditioning coaches that I meet that it's when you want to do something, when it's time, it's time and it's yeah. right now. And that's, I'm guilty of that. Like I don't, I try not to buy things online cause I don't like waiting for them to come in the mail. So when it's time, when it was time for you to get home, I completely understand when you say it's time, it's time. Like just get in a car, make it happen. Let's go. Yeah. So, yeah. So you get home and what's the first thing you do when you get home? Oh, uh, we started planning this birthday. Yeah. That's incredible. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I mean, it, it really was, it was, um, start cause I mean, up till then it's been kind of unspoken. Like we may not be here. Yeah. Oh man, what uh, a what a homecoming! I mean, I mean, yeah. It's, was it just kind of? I know you had planned plenty of things for your kid, the other three kids to do uh-huh. and keep routine. I mean, was it just, you know, right now you, Val, and Lakin are in the routine, or was there, you know, how? I guess how did that? How did that go? I mean, you just plug yourself in, or was it new routine for everybody? Or I mean, you're you're, fr- you're a family again. I feel like this is a year, a year long process, where you know that there was these these seg- large stressful segments of time where you were yeah, separated there, from the other kids or from each other. There were there were these gaps for sure. Um, it really was just um, plugging back into life. Um, you know, we did because mm-hmm. I mean, you're, you know, Lake and still two and a half weeks out from open heart surgery. There mm-hmm. isn't, you don't plan a vacation. Right. Um, you just, again, you got to keep him healthy. Nobody around can be sick. Mm-hmm. Thankfully it's during the summer. So mm-hmm. you're not dealing with the cold and flu season. Like you were for, we were for a second one. Right. Over Christmas, so, yeah. um, what were, what were things like now with, with driven? So you had said that, you know, throughout all, I mean, really all these surgeries, you, you know, you brought your laptop and you, you had put people in place, especially on this, this third one, this trip to Michigan to just to manage things. Um, and you, I know you said you used, um, you know, some time as a little bit of an escape doing, you know, some of the, the work of continuing to grow the business and to bring on affiliates, um, so what, you know, was it just plug right back into work full force into driven? And I guess what happened now with, with that end of your life? You know, that's, that's an interesting one because I had so much still had to be done. Um, even, even being gone that I learned to, to work in chunks. Like, okay, I've got, I've got 20 minutes where I'll be able to concentrate. I can do that. So, mm-hmm. um, but at the same time, you I also found that 
work expands to fill the time allotted. So, you know, the yeah. more time that I had, the it's I still got, you know, I got about the same amount of work done. Um, so looking back from a productivity standpoint, that was that was that was an interesting dynamic that I was able to figure out pretty quick. Like, okay, because um, I've read about time time management, chunking, getting things done, um, focusing on it during a short, brief period of time for a sprint, get it out, finish it, and then move on to something else, or take a break and deal with deal with the whatever circumstances that you're in right then. But the 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 clarity of focus when I needed to um, carried over, and then I was just able to apply it at a larger scale. Is that a quality that you think? So now, um, well, three years later, I guess, yeah, three years later from that time, almost to, almost to the day, uh, is that something that you've carried over, and have you kept that skill, that ability to work into those blocks of time, and to to think of it as as sprints to get certain tasks done? I have, and I. Uh, um, I protect that very fiercely um, in terms of um, my time, and I realize um, at times I um, I neglect other things, whether it's family or friends or you know work-life balance of trying to nope. trying to find that mix and. So that's that's kind of the stage that I'm in now of trying to trying to transition from uh, go 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 um, to, to finding more mellow balance of okay I can I can focus during a during a very short period of time and then I need to go relax and um, one of the one of the phrases that constantly I'm constantly reminding myself uh, you know is the term relaxed intensity. Um, like you know, that. the, uh, a laser, a laser doesn't work hard, but it still cuts through whatever it needs to cut through. Right. And then, then it turns off. And as soon as you're ready to turn it on again, it goes. Um, so yeah. that's, that's, that's kind of, that's kind of my meditation for the last couple months. Well, and I think that's really important. And you said a couple of things that, um, struck me. Julie and I approach our lives and our day-to-day in very different ways. And Julie is a lot closer to you. And you did say that where you are right now in life. And I think that it's important to note that there are stages that you go through. And um, I'm excited because for about the first time in, I think, three years, I'm going to take a vacation. Um, And it's going to be going to the CrossFit game. So it's really not – it's like a half work, half vacation. But – I um, take vacations all the time. Julie, That's why when I look at Eric's life, I wonder, do I not work hard? And <laughs> because he doesn't. He takes none. I'm going on that vacation, th- the same one. Too. Yeah, we're literally going together. We're driving out. <laughs> we're spending an entire week together. So I don't know how much of a vacation it's really going to be. But I'm going to podcast from the car. Oh, God. An I-94. Um, That's great. So <laughs> it's, it's one thing to note is that I don't think right now I'm in that space. And I have a really terrible work-life balance. My girlfriend gets, gets upset with me all the time because I'll go downstairs in my office and I'll start to work and then I mope upstairs. I did this last night. I'll mope upstairs at 1230 at night and she's sound asleep and I crawl in bed and I just get this really. And it's like, eh, I'm sorry. Um, and I recognize that it's really, really bad. And so I respect the reason why I'm saying this is because I respect the heck out of people who are able to recognize that balance. Cause it's something that I'm really, really bad at that. I have to actively work at. I have to work harder at not working than I do working. And 
that that can be tough for me because I like control. I like being active. I like being, uh, you know, this this method or this theory of always being on. And, you know, I've skipped family vacations to work. I've skipped birthday parties to pick up and coaching an extra class or to work on stuff for revealing strength or whatever it may be. And at right. this point in my life, that's it's I'm in a different position, a very different position than I yourself and of even Julie, but it doesn't necessarily make it right. I mean, right's, well, right's relative too, you know. It is. I Absolutely. Mean, I, I've been in that same exact stage. Some I have weeks where I'm in that stage, but I know I'm not a happy or healthy person in that stage. And in some projects, some tasks require you to be like that for, for the effectiveness to be sustainable of something so that you can go back to a more, a more balanced approach. I mean, and I guess work-life balances, everyone throws that term out. And I actually, I taught a yoga class this morning and the yoga class is called balance. It's the name of it. And and um, I always talk about this in that class when I teach is just, you know, balance is in a state that you just get to and then you fall. You don't you don't get to it and then you fall off and you're you're out of balance. It's it's this constant continuum that varies based off of where you are in life, the demands that are posed on you, um, the people that you interact with. And so I think people have this this romanticized view of what balance feels like and they think it's like oh I vacation and then I work like no it's it's different I think it's you rising to the occasion when you recognize an occasion worth rising to so Jason like in in your case this in the entire year of 2013 2014 with with Lakin I mean yeah it you had a lot you had a lot of, of balance challenges you know related to work and the other family members and and everything but you had to rise to that occasion just like when you talked about you walking through that door of the hospital with with Val and Lakin, so I mean, to to me that's balance. That's your that's you rising to that occasion, and then now, you know, you being able to I love that word that relaxed intensity. You being able to sit on calls with people and talk about life for forty minutes, um, that you and I have done before. I mean, that's to me that's a little bit more relaxed intensity, than you know than serious medical talk with a doctor or with a nurse or, or whatever. Right. So, right. I mean, I think a lot of it is, is perspective too. So, um, always back to perspective. All right. Well, it, uh, yeah. So two, th- two things struck me. And, uh, so the, the phrase, no matter where you go, there you are, yeah. I mean, there, there's your balance. So, mm-hmm. um, but at the same time, so Eric, something, something you said struck me. So, um, and I just want to share this with you. Uh, we're not we're not defined by who we are in a moment so like i'm not busy or you know saying i'm busy or i have to stay active that's trying to define like if you were to sit down and say who is eric right now you would be able to give an impression of who it is that that you feel that you are but if you ask yourself who is eric when i was 18 that that is such a dynamic and changing process. You don't that... want to know Eric when he was eighteen. <laughs> Eric was a very angry individual at eighteen years old. Very <laughs> angry, working, chip on his shoulder. You're you're working you're working through that. I dig it. Uh, <laughs> but 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 just understanding, like you're not who you define yourself as. You're you are you are where you are. Absolutely. Right now, because of the choices that you've made. Well, and who you choose to be at this time. Well, so. and, and to make that clear, I don't like the fact that I haven't had a vacation. I don't resent the fact that I don't do those things. I'm perfectly content doing what I'm doing because this is what gives me the most fulfillment right now in my life. And mm-hmm. I'm perfectly aware that at one point in time that's going to change. 
And that's one argument that I have with a lot of people that allow themselves to be defined by CrossFit, that they allow themselves to be divine, defined by one thing, but not which is okay at that time, but not acknowledging that those things are eventually going to change because my, my reference as an athlete or my reference as a coach is going to change over time. Eventually, when I'm old, I'm not going to be able to demonstrate the same movements for athletes that I can right now. I'm going to have to have an, af- an athlete or an assistant coach demonstrate those movements when I instruct or when I coach or when I teach. And recognizing that that's a that's a timeline that's going to change, or maybe I don't coach and maybe I just manage, maybe I do something different. But right now, in this moment, I am entirely content. And as long as you're doing that, like you're saying, I think you're going to be in a really, really good place. That's great. So, that's great. three years ago what's going on with driven so you're home you've had your child's first birthday which congratulations and congratulations on the fourth birthday coming up very very soon Lakin turns four this summer yes he does that's right we're gonna get a picture of that and post that i'm excited to see him with a cake or something great (laughs) for sure uh so yeah you know it's um we didn't you know, no one knew where I was. You know, I onboarded. Uh, I didn't. I didn't take a look before this call. I onboarded several new affiliates. I dealt with um, several messed up orders during that time. Um, I sent out emails, and from the standpoint of um, of delayed growth, I'm sure that there was some just because I couldn't be there. I couldn't have my hands on things. And I couldn't spend as much time on it as I couldn't spend more time on than what I did. Um, but it still it still was firing on the cylinders that it needed to to fire on in terms of um, product development, getting things out, um, producing, and creating our onboarding process for new affiliates to where we could teach them and their coaches how to how these products uh, work for their athletes. So. You know, our compass, you know, I've said it before, our compass has always been pointed in the direction that it's been. And that hasn't changed from day one. So it's just at different times, we've just slowed down. So once, I think once you have a strong vision of exactly what it is your goals are and what your mission is, then you may hit delays, you may slow down a little bit. But once once that roadblock is out of the way, you just, your your direction doesn't change. You just haven't progressed as far as what we had hoped Right. Mm-hmm. And and we did. We hit uh, we hit the ground running and absolutely sprinted. Um, so the growth, the 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 rate that we were able to onboard new gyms and coaches um, and produce new products were over 50 SKUs now. And at that time, I believe we we're around 17 or 18. Oh, wow. Um, so we're constantly and anytime you're dealing with that many types of products, that's, um, you know, I, the, the adage, like uh, the majority of the people that who can juggle, uh, if you take a, the percentage of the population who can juggle, it's normally three balls, but you add a fourth ball in there and there's a finite percentage of even the people who can juggle that can do that fourth ball, mm-hmm. um, comes down to ambidexterity and everything else. But Anytime you add a new dynamic of a new skew, you're not increasing it by the percentage point by based by what the percentage of that product represents in your inventory. You're adding an entirely new sprocket to the gear. So the machine has to change and your stock has to change. How you manage cash flow has to change. So as we've grown and expanded, that's that's been 
a major challenge. And that's one of the things that we're um, always dealing with. And um, as, as we brought on new affiliates of letting them know how, how we're different and, and weird in a sense, like I'm totally okay with that. I think I've said that before, like what is strange about us is we explain everything so much and we let people know what those expectations are from day one. Here's what you can expect from us. Here's what uh, you shouldn't expect from us. And from, from firsthand experience from before I really knew Jason, before I knew his story, before I, I knew what he stood for, I only knew Driven. And the one thing that I can say as a coach and as someone who has helped manage a facility, Driven Nutrition does that phenomenally well. Um, I've, I've always been impressed by the education pieces that you give and that you produce and the content that you produce around your product, which is something that I think the market needs, but more importantly, the product needs and, and your product, but the products as a whole and supplementation, I think is, is huge because there's a, it's an industry where that is surrounded by questions and the people that can give the best answers are the people that have a direct hand in it. And so I've always been really impressed with, with what you do. Thank you. I appreciate that. I, I think, and too, what you said and why you started wanting to work with CrossFit affiliates was the idea of community. And, you know, I think you said it struck you in a competition. The person who got cheered for the loudest, you know, was one of these people finishing at the end, which we've all been there. And we all do that. We all contribute in that that way. And I, I know what, what really has struck me, again, as, as, an, as an athlete, uh, a user of driven nutrition products as a coach, uh, someone who answers questions, um, as someone who has worked extensively in a facility on, on kind of the end of what do we do with this new nutritional product. And then I'm a teacher. That's my job. I'm an educator. That's, again, this education component and this the personalized, I guess, support that you give the affiliates through education, not just like here's this product, here's what it does, here much, here's how much it costs. It's here's how, here's how you share that information with your athletes, the CrossFit athletes who, you know, are range from high level competitive people to, you know, everyday people that just come in and want to have a good hour of their day. Um, that's, that's one of the things and that's, that's so important to me as someone who's passionate about making sure that you know what you're consuming, um, that you are an educated athlete and you're an educated human anytime that you're going to be, you know, whether it's investing time or if it's investing money or if it's trying something that you're not an expert in. Because, I mean, how many individual athletes are experts in nutrition? Uh, minimal. And how many are experts <laughs> in supplementation? Even less. Same thing with affiliate owners, right? Uh, maybe a few more might have some background in nutrition, but probably not very many in supplementation. And how do you even talk to people about it? And and then cross it over into the marketing component of how, then how do you sell it? And I, I just always been blown away of, of, and especially now some of the content that you put out through your own podcast, how you, how you share calls that you have, um, and some of the, the social media elements that you use of, you know, how affiliates can build this education backed way of, of supporting athletes and this education focused way of sales. Um, I, th I think is that something you don't see very often. And I think it's so perfect for the CrossFit community because that's what we do. It's more than just fitness, just like it's more than just a protein powder. It's more than just a post wad or, you know, which we're really excited by the way about the new limited edition <laughs> peanut butter chocolate smash. 
Um. Anyways, it's, I can't wait to put that at my coffee in the mornings. I ordered it's it. It's gonna in, be in the world's best coffee ever. We we can't <laughs> wait till ours ours is shipped. Our owner just put the order in. I think yesterday, so of course it's not here yet. But kind of like Eric when he orders something on the internet. I I I thought about it this morning. <laughs> I want it now. <laughs> anyways, I got real sidetracked, and I'm looking at a picture of that those peanut butter cups <laughs> that you have online <laughs> next to the post bottle. Just getting hungry. No, but um, but anyways, the the unique things that you do and that you you take time to make sure that that you're different and that again this community that is I think is very used to a personalized experience right so even though we have group classes community is big that's what members expect that's what owners expect and you deliver exceptionally well to I think what we as as managers coaches and and athletes what what we want um and so I'm I'm really excited to see how you continue to grow and and how you continue to serve that specifically the CrossFit community and, and affiliates. Um, because with every affiliate, there's, you know, 60, 100, 200 athletes, um, people that continue to get educated because you're educating coaches, you're educating owners. And again, to me, that's, that's amazing. That's incredible. I wish that happened more. Well, and, you know, going back, and that's something that reminded me, we never got into too much of why CrossFit. Um, we had talked about the the competition and and the community and and the tribal aspect of people talking, but one of the things that I don't think we covered was um, I was blown away by the affiliate owners how they would talk about their members and I mean they would say flat out like look I don't I don't care if I make a profit by selling these products I just want the best products I can get to my members mm-hmm. and to me that spoke volumes um, not only about their their integrity, but it also told me that that needs to improve because as a business, if you don't make a profit, you're not going to be around to service your clients very long. Right. Mm -hmm. So that, that, I mean, genuinely that scared me. And I remember telling people at the time, like, look, dude, you dropped 50 grand to buy yourself a hobby. You probably should figure out how to make a profit off of this because there's only so long that you can sustain that. And, you know, going in and, and explaining to the owners, like, your members want you to be successful. They, they, they want you there. And, and finding a way to, to find the products. Because when it comes down to it, selling is nothing more than a transference of feeling. If I can make you feel the way I feel about my product, you're going to buy it if I feel it's a benefit to you. The best. And that's the, Sorry, go what's ahead. What's that? And, and, that's, and that's, that's the piece that... I feel has been missing so much in the supplement industry of if I feel it's a benefit to you, because as a CrossFit coach, as, as, as an owner of a gym, you guys, you guys see your members day in and day out. Your, your ability to be able to specifically see what that person needs, mm-hmm. whether it's diet, mindfulness, changing changing their their water intake whatever it is or supplements all that was missing was the educational piece um which we did develop and we've been in the process we're constantly trying to improve on that Uh, but we provided the products that that we felt that we could give to the gyms um the coaches and they would be proud to be able to offer those to the members and then the tools that the gyms needed to create a successful business unit and that's, to me, that's 
that's really what we're about is helping those gyms create that, that business unit in their community that their community then can then come and support. Well, one thing that I've always been really, really taken aback by is your ability to, that you offer everything in my opinion, that a successful CrossFit Olympic weightlifter, just general athlete needs. Um, you offer each each line or each type of supplement that I think has a strong scientific backing that shows a high level of support for your performance, mm-hmm. and that is a good quality product. Because one thing that I've worked with and um, a business that I'm working with right now is that they're getting multiple different products because the co- their base company doesn't offer everything that their members want, and then you're getting it from different places. You're having to place multiple orders. And the one thing that I've always really, really liked is that I know where it's coming from and I know it's all coming from the same place, which means I know all that's going to be quality. Right. And that I really, really like. And, you know, I, I think I made the joke. Do you think I said it? I may have said it off air, but I made the joke about creatine and, uh, and so how many coaches I've heard different, like high school coaches say the word creatine and they're talking about creatine and, <laughs> um, you know, the importance of taking Jekyll Hyde or C4 before you work out or, you know, whatever, <laughs> whatever it may be. And like, I had a high school coach give me Jekyll Hyde. Um, oh. either, it was either, it was either Jekyll Hyde or it was the, it might've been jacked 3d. He gave me something. And I, oh, yeah. I was, I was 14, 15, maybe. And that was a wild ride, man. I had a really good lift that day, but I doesn't. I wasn't really sure where I was. And uh, <laughs> um, it was a good time either way. So yep, that's right. That's when it had Pygmalion in it. Gosh, golly, it was a. Oh, I've never felt my skin feel like you like. So a bit alumine, you're gonna get that that fuzzy feeling, but I never felt like it was on fire, and I felt like yeah. it was on fire. But yeah, um, yeah. Anyways, so driven right now. What's what's driven right now? Give us a, a synopsis of, of what you do and your kind of your current your current goal or hopes or dreams for the company itself. Kind of just like a, a state of the union for driven right now. It's a good question. Uh, so right now, driven driven is and has only, to my knowledge, is is the only affiliate exclusive supplement company on the planet. Uh, we're primarily leaning in very heavily into the educational process of creating as many tools as we can um, to get that in the hands of coaches as well as members um, and also educating the members not only on, and the coaches for that matter, not only on the, the importance and how a product can benefit them if they think it's a fit, but also the importance of supporting the gym that they're at. And that's, that's a missing component that a lot of gyms neglect because, um, you know, a lot of these guys are um, past military, firefighters, mm-hmm. law enforcement, um, which, you know, my dad's a retired highway patrolman. Uh, my brother's a patrolman in Kansas. My nephew's a patrolman in Kansas. And, uh, you know, I, 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 know, I know those that, that lifestyle. I mean, I grew up in it. So uh, it's, it's hard for a lot of times guys with that mindset and ladies with that, um, they, they come to help. They come to, to help the, the members create, create a better version of themselves. And they're scared to ask for help. They're scared to right. say, this is an important part of my business. I need your help. 
And well, as soon as they do that, as soon as what I found is as soon as they do that and the members realize like, okay, we need to support our gym in this. Yep. Beautiful things start happening. Well, and the second that they, that they realize like, you know, one thing that I know that we've done is we've talked about the, we, we have driven in our facility. And the one thing that we've talked about is we, we talk about the, your ability to care and driven's ability to care and how, how much they care about the CrossFit community, how much you care about affiliates and owners and the members of each box. And that's huge because the CrossFit community is extremely tight knit. Mm-hmm. And if you have a company that's going to sell to exclusively to affiliates, which you do and which you are, you have to acknowledge the fact that you are as much a member of that box and you are as much of a teammate of that coaching staff as anybody else. And that's exactly what you've incorporated yourself as with these education pieces that you release, which are phenomenal. If you haven't looked at, checked into them, please do. Um, and the reason why I say that is because a lot of people think like, well, you know, I know enough about protein or I know the difference between whey and, um, you know, like casein or whatever it may be. And, and the one thing that a lot of people do is, well, you know, but you know what you were told when you were in high school from your high, from your football coach, who was your biology teacher. And that's what I ran into very quickly is when I f- first started to educate myself in college and then afterwards and, and get deeper and deeper into it. A lot of things that I thought I knew are either wrong or they're not up to date or they are just completely like made up. I mean, not even wrong, just made up. And for example, for a long time, I probably like probably through my freshman year of college, I thought that creatine just put water in your muscles and it made them bigger (laughs) because that's what I'd been told. And I never, I mean, you know, I was told by a trusted coach who was a football coach, who was a social studies teacher. And that's what he told me. And that's what I believed. And I never took creatine. Now I take it every day after every workout. So I don't cycle. I, I don't cycle my creatine. I'm gonna get. I'm gonna get uh, lambasted for that. But who cares? <laughs> no, no, I don't. I don't either. Um, okay, good. Can I, I, I've got to share this story with you because this Please. is abs- absolutely true. So uh, our youngest or our oldest son, Elliot, he's 16. Okay, he's he's six foot one, 165 pounds. He's gonna be a junior next year. Um, loves football. Just loves loves sports altogether. So, like our ability to share information as high, as high as we think it is. And as much as, <laughs> as much as we think we know last night, I'm not kidding you. Um, he came out and he goes, dad, he said, how is it possible? I weighed in this morning at 159. I'm now 164. And then, and then he doesn't even wait for my question, my answer. I'm, Cause my answer is like, you ate and you haven't pooped. Like that's, that's right. It's, exactly. It's that simple. But then he goes on to tell me, he goes, he goes, I had a really good workout and, um, that I took creatine today. So the water that's in my muscles right now, I feel a lot bigger. <laughs> He's got that water pump, that creatine <laughs> pump. And I said, I said, well, Elliot, that's not actually how it works. I said, and, and I started to explain to him how it works. And he goes, he goes, no, he said, and he interrupted me. And I finally, and I've gotten to the point where I'm like, I'm not going to argue. <laughs> I just, I just, I just turned around and walked off. I said, I'm fascinated by your theory on creatine. And I just walked off. <laughs> and, and, uh, <laughs> and, and as I'm walking off, I'm like, I said, I said, please 
don't repeat that in public because at some point somebody's going to record you and say, "Here's the son of the founder of Driven Nutrition explaining crazy." <laughs> Yep. So oh, uh, I, I love giving him a hard time, but yeah, the your kids uh, are going to have to go through the uh, the affiliate onboarding process I, themselves. I, I, I yeah. think. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's like yeah. when, when I when I learned muscle physiology and and how a muscle contracts, my mind was blown. And I was then I then I learned, then I looked into it. I'm like, this stuff is amazing. Yeah. And when you learn the science behind it, the ability to help educate your members, educate yourself, and the benefit that you can explain to them then if you can explain the science of how it's going to help them perform better, how it's going to help them recover, how it's going to help them be a better athlete. It, it, your passion in that sense will come through because you said something about how, you know, the, the ability where you're focusing is to educate the community. And Mm -hmm. that's really where you're filling yourself in at. Well, if you walk into any successful CrossFit box in the country any affiliate, the ones that are the most successful are the ones that care. And you and I have, have had this discussion before that I can't teach you. I can teach you how to how to coach someone through the snatch, how to coach someone through an air squat. I cannot teach you how to care. Right. And that's one thing that is just has to be inherent. And I think we've said that even on air more than once through this process. And that's one thing that's very, very apparent in your education process with the affiliates. We're constantly trying to get it better. Um, I don't. I don't know that I'll ever be happy with it. Most most people in yeah, most people aren't right. That's that's <laughs> right. one thing. And then exactly. and, and to talk about it, just to kind of go back and talk about where you're at in life. I mean, I'm I'm not content, and I don't know if because what you're going to be content about or not content about is going to constantly flux and change over time too and so that's important to note but mm-hmm. um i'm a big firm believer of of never being content because that's it's the first step in the wrong direction in my opinion so like that. agreed i'm gonna use that idea of not being content and give you a small little plug because i'm still thinking about that peanut butter prize um <laughs> drink so that's the my my post, drooling, my, by the way. my post spa that's in shipment um no, I think that's one of the things we just you talked about the education process and you know sales is it's you're not just selling a transaction you're you're sharing a feeling and you're allowing someone else mm-hmm. to to embody that feeling and I think that's why our you know our affiliate our you know that we go to and and just as users of the product I put a lot of trust in you Jason and and in the product that that you retail and in the owner of our gym because he retails it and because of how he educates us and knowing that this backbone of you educating the affiliate owner, creating that relationship of trust between yourself and the owner and then allowing them that owner to create a relationship of trust between herself or himself and all of their athletes is, is so cool. And and then you do it in, in fun, innovative ways. So, I mean, something as simple as a new flavor and so many people love chocolate, peanut butter. Um, you know, you run a limited edition release on this. That is a pre-order just obviously just for CrossFit affiliates. If you jump on the ship, you get it. If you didn't, you didn't get it. Thank God ours did. And so, so I get it hopefully next week week or soon in a couple days um i'm gonna text you as soon as it comes in. <laughs> okay deal deal and uh anyways i think that's just a cool a cool way that you continue that relationship of trust and you know you you 
you create a neat idea, something that's an innovative, for you, an innovative sales practice of a pre-order limited release flavor that you know people are going to love and and in turn I'm sure it's created a huge demand for it Um, and I'm sure people that didn't order it are going to want it and then it allows you to move forward in your business and to decide okay is this another SKU that we want to keep do you want to move forward with you know other um, types of pre-orders and the whole concept of pre-ordering I know that's something you use in your affiliate onboarding of a way to generate using education to generate excitement and interest in a product and allowing those pre-orders to help the owner fund fund their order it just it's it's just cool to see how this how this works um so anyways um i guess as we start to wrap up any any last words for our listeners who i'm sure are gonna vary out there from you know people interested in your story who love children and like hearing you know, stories of triumph of Little Lakin to, you know, someone who's, you know, maybe an affiliate owner and, and uses your products and sales, sells them. Anything else you want to end with? Uh, sure. So as un, um, um, unspecific or uh, what's the, I think that's the right term. Um, as non-medical specific as, as I am, um, Valerie actually did an amazing job. So one of the things that she did, um, and it was very time-consuming, but it's incredibly detailed, was um, we didn't – we told people, like, look, don't call us. Don't text us. Um, we will send out updates when we have information, and we did we did that to everybody all at the same time. Um, we appreciate your prayers and support, but please know and respect that we're not going to be able to respond to all the messages that we have. So Valerie um, – she created a log of all of the emails and uh, recently through, through talking with you guys that it, um, it was the spur that I needed to go and create a website called Lake and rule L a K I N R U L E.com. And by the time this airs, those, all of those um, emails, which, which will just be posts. Um, it is, it is very raw. Um, it is, it is, it progresses from every update that was sent out to the friends and family. So, uh, my, my hope is, is if anybody wants to go out and read that one, wants to see more specifics or through, uh, as the search engines go and everything else starts to find it, it was difficult at the time to find much information other than, you know, a, a post here and there or people answering a thread. Mm-hmm. And I'm hoping that by putting all that information out there, the, the not only the medical process that took place, but the the personal transformations that we were going through uh, personally, spiritually, um, it's it's all in there. So um, feel free, go out lakeandrule.com, and uh, if if you find anybody that's dealing with anybody with a with a sick kid and you want to share it with them, um, please feel free. Cool. That's, uh, that's, that's, I love that she, she's been, um, I guess, collating those and getting them ready. And the fact that you're going to put it out there. And I think that's, that's such a cool thing, just like this, this story in itself. Um, I've, I know I've said every time we've talked with you, um, Eric and I have not been in a situation like you ever have been in, but the amount of conversation we've had after this and growth we've had and and I hope you too for being able to having to recall it and to 
to process through this again. I, I hope if anything else has just been beneficial for you. And I think same thing with, with that website with lake and to have, you know, your family, the support network that was there at that time. Um, and then even, you know, even for the medical professionals and, and, you know, who knows, maybe families now that are at hospitals or in Ronald McDonald houses are just, you know, as they're searching, you know, this condition and searching these procedures, this will come up and they'll be able to see, you know, that they're not the only ones dealing with this and it's been done before and it's been successful. And, and these are, these aren't just the research stats and this isn't just the meta-analysis of that procedure done at a certain rate. This is the very honest, honest stories of them. So, um, that's, that's incredible. And I'm glad you, you were doing that and you're, um, choosing to share that, putting that out there. That's, it's a neat story. It, it, it really is. It's, it's, it's unusual. Um, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yes. So, yes. um, and, uh, you know, and here, here in a week and a half, we celebrate Lakin's fourth birthday. So, yeah. uh, life is, life is good. Um, so from a business standpoint, I would be a horrible business owner if I didn't say, uh, <laughs> if, if somebody wants more information, uh, more to check out our products, you can go to drivennutrition.com. Uh, if you are an affiliate owner or even a coach, um, up on the top right of our website, there's a place where you can sign up to be an affiliate. Every affiliate has to be vetted. Um, so the next step is actually scheduling a call with me. And once we confirm that you are an affiliate, um, we start dialing in how we can help. Awesome. I'm glad, I'm glad you put that plug in there for driven nutrition. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I was I was going I was going to uh, to cue you two either way, so I'm glad you beat me to the punch. <laughs> Um, actually, actually, true story. So the first, actually, no, the the second podcast I was ever on, and Julie, you know, you know this story because I um, uh, was was barbell business. Mm-hmm. So we go in, and I never, I really didn't know much about these guys at all. In fact, I had breakfast with Mike the next day, and we're walking, uh, we're leaving the hotel, going to go eat breakfast with him and his wife Ashley. And I was laughing. I said, man, I sure am glad I didn't know you were such a big deal. I would have been nervous. <laughs> so, but I mean, just, but all of those guys are great. Um, I, yeah. That, that was, that was a special time, but it, it's so funny because on, I still can, I can put myself in that seat and I'm looking over at, and if you go, if you go watch the end of the podcast, it, it'll say, uh, Mike says, is there anything else that you'd like to add? I was like, no, I don't think so. <laughs> and and I was like, oh yes, if you want to, if you want to be an affiliate, and you can hear him in the background, and he was smiling at me. He goes, there you go. <laughs> so that he was, that's that's he was, how we do it. Yeah, he was priming me like, come on, man, you don't want to miss this chance to tell people how to learn more about Abs- your business. Absolutely, absolutely. So, so I've started writing it on my hand when I'm on podcasts, like <laughs> give people the website. Yep. And Jason, for one last time, thank you so much for coming on and for sharing this incredible story. We really, really appreciate it. And I know that we've learned a lot from it, and I hope everybody else does too. So thank you for being kind enough to take the time to sit down for multiple hours and share this story. Guys, it was my pleasure. Thank you um, um, for all your kind words and Uh, You've been um, a great guide through this talk, and I'm grateful for that. Thank you. Good. 
All right, everybody. So this is Revealing Strength Podcast. You can find us at revealingstrength.com or on social media on Facebook. Also, Instagram. I want everyone to check out Driven Nutrition, one word, on Instagram as well and their website. And then you can find us at Eric Santour and at Julie J today. And if you um, like this podcast, please give us a like, a follow, a awesome five-star rating on iTunes. Um, and we're going to end with one more time. Stay strong. Thank you so much, Jason. All right. You're welcome, guys. See you. Thank right. you. Bye, Jason.